We're up to mitzvah number 67, and today we're going to do six different mitzvahs, 67, 68, 343, 476, 572, and 573. And remember, the system of organizing the numbers of the mitzvahs, that's just to demonstrate where they and we get several details of related mitzvot in various books and various places in the Torah. You have uh, so many different numbers spanning uh, such a big part of the Torah. And these six different mitzvot teach us how to treat debtors. We lend someone money. They're a debtor to us. They owe us money. And we have specific guidances how we are supposed to treat those people. So mitzvah number 67 is not to demand repayment if they cannot repay. We'll see what that means in a second. Mitzvah number 68 is not to collaborate in any way in an interest-bearing loan. 343 is not to loan with interest. 572 is not to borrow with interest. And then there are two more mitzvahs related to Gentiles, and that is 476 to yes, demand repayment from Gentiles, and 573, to yes, loan to Gentiles with interest. So it's a very unusual set of mitzvos. We're told how to treat our Jewish brethren, and we're specifically told that the treatment that we give to our Jewish brethren must not extend to the Gentiles. Now, this is unique because all the monetary laws that we have extend the Gentiles. So, for example, you're not allowed to steal from your Jewish neighbor. You're not allowed to steal from your non-Jewish neighbor. You're not allowed to act in a dishonest way to anyone. Yet we see monetary laws that there's a very clear demarcation that here's how you treat the Jews and here is how you treat the non-Jews. And the obvious question is, why do we have such a distinction in this particular mitzvah? So it's a very important Ramban to explain what's going on over here. He explains how interest, charging interest for a loan, well, that's something that's agreed upon by both parties. And it's something which makes a lot of sense. To give interest-free loans is not logical. To not do whatever you can to extract payment is also not logical. It doesn't make sense for someone to assume risk. You're giving your money away and you don't know what's going to happen to it. And to forfeit any upside by not charging interest. Interest is a way to balance the risk to have a profit for the lender. We don't know. Some people default. Some people are not going to pay. Some people, something's going to happen. They'll be bankrupt. You'll lose the loan. And therefore, you charge the interest as a way to offset your risk and to provide a profit. That made sense. And that kind of leveraging is what keeps the economy rolling. Because otherwise, people would never lend money and you're never about to buy a house. You're never to make any big purchase. you never be able to make uh, capital investments. You're about to grow your business. And that's why in every corner, you have a bank to facilitate this kind of transaction. It makes tons of sense. It's moral, it's just, it's logical to charge interest. And by the way, when you do have a loan, there has to be 
systems in place to be able to extract the money. That's why we have collections agencies. That's why we have evictions. Because otherwise, people are not going to lend money. And once that system of finance grinds to a halt, well, then the economy is shot. So the Rabbi explains charging interest and trying to extract repayment of a loan, those things are not immoral. They're not unjust. They're not illogical. In fact, to the contrary, they make an abundance of sense. Yet we're told, when it comes to your Jewish brethren, don't treat them in a way that made sense. After all, they're your flesh and blood. You are supposed to have an affinity and a kinship and a close love and friendship between you and your brothers and your sisters. And therefore, you go above and beyond the call of duty. You do something that doesn't make sense. You do something which is illogical. And you say, you know what? I'm going to give you money. I'm going to front all the risk. I'm going to absorb all the downside. And I'm going to forfeit any upside because you're my brother. And you know what? With brothers, you don't charge interest. And you know what? If a brother doesn't have money to pay and the agreed upon time arrives, give them a little bit of a grace period. Allow things to settle if you know they don't have the money. Don't act like a loan shark. Don't break their knees. Don't send it to the collection agency. You don't do that to your brothers. This miss is telling us that we have to recognize that the way we treat our Jewish brethren is different than the way we treat strangers. Strangers, you charge them interest. Makes sense. Nothing wrong with it. Strangers, you do whatever you can to get the money back. Jews are not strangers. We don't charge them interest. They're our family members. They're our flesh and blood. And therefore, there is this interesting distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Now, the Sefer Chinuch adds another point, which is like a, an associated point. And he says that even though we are required to develop warm and cordial relations with everyone, both Jews and non-Jews, the second I go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to do something illogical. I'm going to give someone an interest-free loan. There's a danger that might foster too close of a bond. And you know what? The next thing you're invited to their Christmas party. And the next thing you know, before you know it, he says, hey, why don't you come to join me in, in, in our celebration? We have Halloween and it's not so paid in. But before you know it, you are going to become associated with that person too much and you'll be drawn after the ways and who knows, maybe you'll do idolatry. Maybe you will lose your Jewish identity and therefore make sure you have this in place to make sure that you charge interest and you do memory payment and you don't get too close to your Gentile neighbor. So let's go through some of these myths to see some of the details. And I want to point out that this is arguably the most complicated area of halacha and there's so many details and it's very intricate and there's some situations that you have to structure deals differently in order to make him kosher and we're going to of course as we always do just give a snapshot just give a brief overview of the mitzvah grazing the subject not getting too much into the details so mitzvah number 67 is to not demand repayment 
in the event that we know that they cannot pay. So we loan money to a fellow Jew. Of course, it's an interest-free loan. And now we know for sure that they don't have the money yet to pay. So there's a special mitzvah for us to not be aggressive in trying to recoup the money. The Almighty wants us to be so righteous, so upstanding, so benevolent, people endowed with such kindness and mercy and gentleness of character, that even though we lend someone money and they promise to repay and the time has come and they haven't yet repaid it, we don't start knocking down on their door. We don't start calling them up at three in the morning. We don't do any aggressive tactics to try to embarrass them, to try to compel them to pay if they don't have the money. The Talmud goes so far as to say that this mitzvah requires us that if we're walking down a street and we see our debtor's house, turn around or go to this other block or take a different route. You have to go out of your way to avoid causing that person shame and causing them, again, in the situation that they're in, a very distressed financial situation, causing them pain and suffering. Even seeing you could arise or could awaken that feeling, that terrible feeling, and therefore you have to go avoid them. Now, the Rambam, when he talks about this law, he says that it's forbidden for the borrower to exploit this. You know, you may say, hey, I'm going to borrow money from this rich Jewish guy. They're very pious and very religious and they know this law. And then I could use the money for all kinds of frivolities. They come back to borrow the money. I say, I don't have. This could be exploited, but that too would be prohibited and you are not allowed to try to use this against the lender. It's only for someone who legitimately has fallen into very hard times. Only that person that this law apply, but not when someone wants to exploit this law. Now, it's not really our mitzvah, but it's interesting nonetheless. What happens when the borrower indeed does have means to pay back? So there's entire uh, corpuses of law related to borrowers and lenders and how repayment is done. And again, the Torah is not telling us that these loans are forgiven, that these loans are annulled. What it's telling us is in the event that you have a sense that this person cannot repay, don't demand repayment. What about if, what if they could, have, could repay? And maybe they're trying to hide assets. So you could go to court and the court could go to their house and take away their stuff. The court would send a police officer to their house and start pulling off their furniture. That could happen. You start off with the chattel, with the movable furniture. And if you've exhausted all of that, you can go to their real estate, their real property, and extract that as well. There's something you can take. You cannot take their wives' clothings. You cannot take their children's clothing, but you could take their clothing. Because the Torah believes that if someone owes money, and it's it's all legal, it's all kosher, and there's evidence, there's documentation, witnesses, all that, and the time has come for the person to, to repay, they are obligated to repay, and the court will help facilitate that. But of course, if the person does not have money to repay, then there is a, a mitzvah on the lender to not 
embarrass that person, not shame the person, to wait until they have money to repay. The Rambam brings a very interesting case. The lender goes to the borrower and says, pay me back. He says, I have money to pay you back, but I happen to owe the really aggressive Gentile loan shark down the block. I owe him money as well. And I only have enough money to repay one of you. And I'm worried that they're going to bring out the collection guys and they're going to break my knees and they're going to arrest me and they're going to take me captive because these guys don't play games, right? Is the Jewish lender allowed to extract the money? The answer is yes. You allow to take the money and what happens in the event that the Gentile hooligans come? You know what? We'll have to deal with it when that arrives. And if the person gets taken captive, they're kidnapped, whatever it is, that's a separate mitzvah for us to try to buy them back and to restore their safety. Anyhow, so that is the mitzvah of mitzvah number 67 of how we treat them. We treat them with a certain gentleness and kindness, and we don't go very aggressively at trying to extract the money. What about interest? So there's four mitzvahs related to interest loans. Number one, not to collaborate in any way, not to loan with interest, not to borrow with interest, and then that we're required to loan to Gentiles with interest. Now, it's interesting that the Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words used for interest is neshech, which means bite, like a snake bite. And Rashi quotes from the Midrash that interest, especially when it compounds, it's almost like a snake bite. You get a snake bite, and it looks kind of innocuous. It's a small bite, maybe hurts a little bit. It's not life-threatening, at least you don't think it is. But over time, it gets infected, and it gets, you know, takes over your body, and the venom starts spreading everywhere before you know you're dead. That's how interest works. It starts off, yeah, okay, I could do this payment. You know, it's another 30 bucks a week or whatever. It seems reasonable. Before you know it, it compounds and it compounds and that small loan becomes gargantuan and you get in the rut. You get in this hole of interest and that you can't possibly extract yourself from it. You look at a amortization schedule of a mortgage and you're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm borrowing a few hundred thousand dollars and I'm paying back a million and a half dollars after 30 years. It's crazy, but that's just the way it works. It grows and it grows. And if you get into a cycle of debt, it's really hard to get out of it. I think today we're lucky that we live in a low interest environment. You know, the, the, the interest on loans are very, very low. But what about, you know, the 1980s? But certainly in antiquity, or if you go to like, uh, uh, like loan charts or payday loans or things like that, where you're paying 40%. 40%, it's it's huge. Before you know it, it's doubling, tripling, and it grows and grows and grows, and it's very confiscatory. Now, in antiquity, there were loans with interest rates north of 200%. That was common, and it all compounds. And that's what Rashi's referring to. It's this harmless snake bite, and before you know it, you're dead. So again, there's very draconian and complicated laws, and we're here to offer just a brief overview 
of of these laws, but people legitimately spend months and years to become experts in in these laws. So again, the simple idea is not to loan with interest. The verse tells us when you have money and you want to lend your fellow man, you're not allowed to charge neshech and marbis. These are different names for interest loans. And the Torah tells us many, many times that this is prohibited because there's something very seductive about it. Rashi tells us that the verse says when it talks about not loaning with interest, you should fear God. And whenever the verse adds you should fear God, it's because there's extra danger here. And Rashi says that this is something that people say, hey, it's okay. The person agreed to it after all. I'm, I'm absorbing all that risk. And there's all kinds of illegitimate loopholes that you could use. You could say, hey, this money's not really mine. I'm just the steward of someone else's capital, and that person's a non-Jew, and therefore I can loan it with interest. You could make believe that it's kosher to charge interest this loan, and therefore you have to be fearful of God, because God knows the truth. He knows all your shenanigans, and therefore it's very important to remember God in something which is very attractive, very lucrative, and there's a lot of room for chicanery. So there's one prohibition not to loan with interest. There is a second prohibition not to borrow with interest. And then there is a third prohibition not to collaborate in any way in an interest-bearing loan. So the Talmud says don't be a guarantor for such a loan. Don't be a witness for such a loan. Don't be a scribe that writes down the contract for such a loan. And the idea is that we want to distance this particular behavior so much and to make it so socially unacceptable that there's a special mitzvah prohibiting anyone on the periphery of this loan, not someone who's actually making the loan or even receiving the loan, but to not help in any way, to not facilitate this in any way. Now, again, some of the laws, and we have to always preface that this is just the barest of overviews, there's various different levels of severity. There is what's called ribis ktsutsa, which literally means a fixed ahead of time, where the interest rates fixed ahead of time. And then there is other rabbinic uh, levels of prohibition where the interest is not fixed ahead of time. So just the basics. Someone who says, hey, lend me $100 or I'll lend you $100. And every day I'll pay you a dollar just for the rights of, of having that loan. And once the loan is over, I'll pay you the principle. That is an example of biblically prohibited interest loans. Someone says, hey, here's $100, but when you pay me back, give me 120 Give me a 20% interest, a 20% cut. Biblically prohibited, that is considered fixed interest rates, and that is prohibited. And that can apply, by the way, with money. It can apply with goods as well. For example, if someone says, hey, I'm going to loan you a use of a certain property, but you have to pay me fruits or or produce or grain or whatever, that too would qualify as this kind of rib, is this kind of interest where the amount is stipulated ahead of time and that would be prohibited biblically by the biblical level of severity. 
Then you have them which is only rabbinically prohibited when the interest is not stipulated ahead of time, but the lender finds a way to demand it or the buyer pays it voluntarily. Then you have maybe a third level, like a one-time fee, like an origination fee or, or points on a loan. There is a prohibition to pay ahead of time when someone says, hey, I'm going to pay you money for the rights to get this loan, or I pay afterwards, hey, thank you so much for the loan, here's just a a gift that comes afterwards. All these are general uh, categories within this broad law prohibiting interest in any loans. Now, there's many different prohibitions that are part of this. The Rambam actually makes a calculation. He says if someone loans with interest, there's six different laws that they are violating. If someone borrows with interest, there's two distinct laws that they are violating. And then you have people on the periphery, the guarantor, the witness, the scribe, anyone who is there to facilitate in any way, and they violate one law when they enable or facilitate an interest loan. Now, if this was as clear, cut and dried, you would not be allowed as a mortgage company to loan money to any Jew. Moreover, if you wanted to take a mortgage and borrow money from the largest mortgage provider in the country, and that is Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage, and everyone's heard those brands, everyone heard those names. It's actually majority owned by a gentleman named Dan Gilbert, who also owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he's Jewish. So in effect, if I get a loan, I get a mortgage from Quicken Loans, I am borrowing money from a Jew with interest. And that would be prohibited. So there are some workarounds. And there are some loopholes. And again, these are very complicated, intricate, halachic devices. But there are experts on this. So the most common loophole is called a heter iska, which literally means, a heter means a permission, iska means a business or business deal, partnership. And that is when a loan is structured not as a loan, but as an investment. So if you have a loan with a Jewish company that's observing of halacha, with your closing documents, all the hundreds of documents that you're signing during the closing, you'll have a document called a heter iska, which essentially is a halachic reformulation a halakhic readaptation of the loan as an investment, meaning that they're investing in your house and they get a return on that investment. And of course, it could be, you know, the, the, the actual mechanism of the mortgage is the same, but it is structured halakhically in a way that's going to sidestep the problem of borrowing or lending with interest to a fellow Jew. Now, I'll tell you, in, in 2018, there was a big hullabaloo about this because, like I said, Quicken Loans did not have a Hatter Iska. And therefore, it was actually halakhically prohibited to get a loan from the largest mortgage provider in the country. 
But thankfully, that problem was solved. And today, when you borrow money from Quicken Loans, you are in effect halakhically okay because they have a heteriska. Again, it's a, it's a complicated halakhic device, but it's there to avoid this particular problem. I know that I once financed a, a loan with a Jewish company that was in a, like a, like a Torah observant company and they made me sign a, a heteriska. And they said, if you won't sign this, we're not going to be the loan. Which is the right attitude. If you're not going to sign it, it's a, it's a clear violation of this law. There's no way, there's no way around it. This is the only way around it, essentially. Now, the Talmud tells us that someone who loans money with interest, that person is included amongst the Jews who do not arise with the resurrection of the dead. Meaning, we talk about Olamaba, we talk about eternity. There are certain people whose sins are so severe that they don't have a portion with the rest of the Jewish brethren in eternity. And one of those people, we're told, is someone who loans money with interest. And they say that the reason for this is that when someone loans with interest, it's like the ultimate cash cow. You give someone money and you just – you could sleep the whole day and you're making money. And as you sleep at night, you're making more money. And you're lounging and relaxing during the day. And you're just making more and more and more money. Using interest to compound your wealth is just the best business that there is. And you could be calm and at peace and relaxed and asleep and make money. And someone like that, the Almighty says, oh, you know what? You like to be calm and at peace and relaxed and asleep? We'll just keep you like that forever. And therefore, when the rest of the Jews wake up, so to speak, for resurrection, you'll stay calm and relaxed and asleep and at peace and at ease because you loan money with interest. I don't know if that's legit, but I heard that uh, as um, an explanation. Just it makes uh, makes some sense. Now, there's a famous story with Rabbi Akiva Eger. Rabbi Akiva Eger is one of the most storied rabbis of the end of the 18th and early 19th century. And he was a rabbi in a city called Posen. And in their town, there was a, a wealthy Jew who used to exploit his wealth and loan money to his fellow Jews with interest in direct violation of this law. And when this person died, he was also a miser and in general just a pretty lousy guy. When this person died, the Hever Kadisha, the Jewish burial society that controls the Jewish burial, they demanded an exorbitant fee to bury this individual in their cemetery. They charged many multiples of what people typically charge for for a burial spot. And the children of the deceased, they thought it wasn't fair. Why should our father be charged for the exact identical commodity product so much more than everyone else? It's discrimination. So they went to the governor and they tried to sue. And the governor says, yes, yeah, it's, it's not fair. It's illegitimate. So the rabbi came and says, I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend the community. I'm going to, I'm going to defend the Hever Kaddisha. And he quoted the Midrash that says that someone who lends with interest, 
doesn't arise with the resurrection of the dead, doesn't have a portion in eternity. So he explained when a normal Jew dies and they're buried, well, it's only temporary. They'll be there for, I don't know, 100 years, maybe maybe 50 years, maybe 1,000 years, but it's it's still temporary. It's almost like a lease, you know, like a 100-year lease. But when someone who loans with interest, according to our sages, they're going to be there forever. It's permanent. And therefore, a much higher price is warranted to pay for their eternal burial spot. But that's the idea. When we service our loans to our fellow Jews, we treat them like family. We don't go very aggressively at trying to get their money. And we don't charge them interest. And even though it makes a lot of sense to charge interest, and even though it's logical and it's the only way to cover your costs, you do that to the Gentiles, but not to the Jewish brethren. And you know what? If you are in the mortgage business, make sure that you have the proper halakhic guidance to get your heter iskas in order and whatever other workarounds and loopholes there are to ensure that you are not violating this very important Mitzvah, mitzvah that's repeated many times to show and to reinforce its severity to not loan money to fellow Jews with interest.